Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to episode three of the Football Fate and How to Change It podcast. My name is Tim. I desperately need a shave. But to be fair, I'm coming to you live from a tier four lockdown. So, you know, I ain't got round to it yet. Um, my co-host is uh, coming from, I believe, the comparative sunshine and rainbows of a tier three lockdown. And his name is Mr. Warren Frogger. Warren, how are you doing, mate? Hello, Tim. I'm doing uh, I'm doing really well. You know, my outlook has changed. I used to think Tier 3 was just about as bad as it gets. And then, uh, you know, the Tory government made us all look like fools. And as now it's only do. 75% as bad as it could get. So, uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not doing too bad at all. How are you? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I haven't been anywhere in about three weeks. But other than that, mate, <laughs> I'm, I'm grand. Uh, you know, what, what need is there to go outside the house? It's cold and wet and not festive. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's also, what, the 22nd of December today? So yeah. we're getting to Christmas. Don't feel like Christmas at all, to quote a uh, famous number. But yeah, you know, other than that, it, we've got a tall tale going. So I'm excited anyway. That feels festive enough. And while we're on the subject, Warren, uh, what is today's tall tale? Why don't you? Why don't you tell us? <laughs> I'll uh, I'll let you and the people know. It's a uh, it's a little bit of a niche one. This one, uh, it flew under the radar at the time, but several years later, it came out that in. February of 2002, the one and only Sir Alex Ferguson had indeed made the decision to pack it in at the end of the 0102 season. Uh, he'd made the call to the board. He cited a number of factors. He was just about to turn 60. I think he was a bit sick of everything. And uh, he was just about ready to retire at the end of the 0102 season. Obviously, in real life, we know he didn't. He continued to manage Man United for another 11 years. But we're going to explore what might have happened to United and the rest of the footballing world had Sir Alex indeed packed it all in at the end of the 0102 season and as a special treat for me personally I'm going to go first simply because the one and only team that I support Sheffield Wednesday they won a game of association football recently a 1-0 win at home to Coventry City that so feels there is less any... believable than anything <laughs> we've said on any of the tall towers and probably will say for this entire series one and yet it happened Listen, yeah, fact, I'm buzzing for you, mate. But at the same time, I oh, still kind of great don't news. really believe it happened. No, and I'm I'm looking. I'm I'm assuming I wake up at some point, essentially. <laughs> uh, but while everyone living in this fantasy dreamland, uh, I'm going to take advantage of uh, the unimaginable victory that Sheffield Wednesday secured uh, by taking you through my tall tale first. So, There's do you want to get started? I'm looking forward no, to uh, with this tall tale. <laughs> Firstly, the tone whether it was written yeah. kind of since that win and it's kind of uplifting and, you know, mm. I guess my faith in the world is restored or just deathly depressing if you wrote it before you beat Coventry. The other mm. point that I'm looking forward to seeing is whether Ferguson's last game was a five-all draw because mm. that's something which I remembered in writing this. And I've actually just remembered now, really, again. Mm. If we were to write that, we'd be cast off. We'd be laughed off as podcasters, which tells you, you know, anything can happen. Just... Anything can happen. And that was a fun fact about that game. It was Ferguson's first ever five-all draw in the league. Was it? Yeah, he'd never had one before. I mean, That's I guess a nice one it's to not one off. that turns up every now and I've never seen a five-all draw, so. I've never seen a five-all draw. I've seen a four-all draw, uh, but never seen a five-all draw. I've seen a three-three. Well, there you go. And a two-two, and a one-one, and a nil-nil. <laughs> anyway, Warren. I've seen plenty of nil-nils. Uh, far too many. <laughs> Uh, yeah, why don't you uh, why don't you kick us off, mate? I'm excited to hear the tone and uh, where the five all draw comes in. <laughs> I'm going to get started. So, my uh, my tall tale of Sir Alex Ferguson retiring at the end of the 0102 season. Really, it's a story of inevitability. 
uh, and a, a way of history always finding out a way to repeat itself. It's uh, a story of a completely unrecognisable international football landscape. It really poses the question, what's better, to win in your own backyard or to win in your enemy's backyard? Okay. Uh, and finally, it is a look into what goes on in Alex Ferguson's living room. Too much. But where my, where my, <laughs> where my tall, tall tale starts, really the story begins for me in February 2002 because that's when Sir Alex actually made the decision to retire. That's when he was sat in his living room made the call to the board, and he said, I'm retiring at the end of the year. So for argument's sake, let's call it early-ish February, when his mind gets made up to leave the club at the end of the season. And funnily enough, this was just prior. His next game after that decision uh, was a fixture away at Charlton Athletic, which, funnily enough, uh, is, is an interesting little colour for the report, was a 2-0 victory with both goals coming from Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. What are you? Uh, which is an oh, interesting little, uh, little factoid. But including this trip to the Valley... Sir Alex only had 12 games left as Man United manager. Uh, and at the time they made that decision, Man United were sat top of the Premier League. And for me, United being top of the Premier League is actually a big factor as to why it came to this decision. You know, Sir Alex is a guy, self-obsessed, like all the best managers. He doesn't want to go out on anything other than uh, a win and an intact legacy. Yeah. So as of that victory over Charlton, United are sat top with 54 points. Uh, ahead of the chasing pack of Liverpool and Newcastle and Arsenal. But it is quite close. There's only three points that separate first and fourth. Newcastle are the team in fourth. And uh, I will tell you right now, they fall away. So they finish fourth. Shame. But the other three teams, Man United, Liverpool and Arsenal, all have very strong ends to the season. Uh, truth be told, in real life, Man United drop uh, about 10 points in the running from about 11 games, which sees them fall down to third, where they finished in real life. Obviously, in real life, Arsenal won the Premier League. Yeah, But Man United do a bit better. And uh, because, I don't know, maybe Fergie, he knows he's leaving, maybe he finds a little bit of motivation to get his squad going properly. Um, they don't drop that many points. In fact, they only drop um, three points uh, in a 1-0 loss at home to Middlesbrough, courtesy of an Alan Boxic goal. Um, didn't think Alan Boxic would ever turn up. Some of the players who managed to weave into these tales. Absolutely <laughs> brilliant. So we pick up the uh, season... On the second-to-last game, which is when Man United host Arsenal, uh, obviously with two games to go. And in this tall tale, United are in second, five points behind Arsenal with a superior goal difference. So something, you know, if United get a win here, it's still on, basically. In real life, of course, that doesn't happen. Arsenal go to Old Trafford. Absolutely. Arsenal go to Old Trafford, nick the title off them, a 1-0 win, uh, courtesy of Sylvain Wiltord. And let me tell you, in this tall tale... When the game kicks off, uh, Sylvan does his thing. You know, he does put Arsenal on You can't stop him. You can only minutes. hope to contain him. That's absolutely <laughs> true. I actually really like Sylvan Wiltord. I think he's, he's been... Really, he's... I had one of them. Do you remember them Micro Stars little figures? Oh, yeah. Used to get? yeah, yeah, yeah. Sylvan Wiltord was the first one I ever got. Oh, excellent. Okay. Yeah. It was him with the Canio. But those were the two that I always mm. had. The Canio made sense. Wiltord didn't. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, on 57 minutes, Sylvan Wiltord puts Arsenal 1-0 up. But... Man United aren't just going to lie down now. You know, Fergie wants... He's not going to let up this title easily. And it's actually an equaliser comes on 77 minutes, courtesy of a Wes Brown screamer. His first and only goal from this season. He rattles one in from outside the box. He only scores screamers. He does only score screamers. And uh, Man United are level 
And that's not it, because it's classic Fergie time. Uh, it's Roy Keane, who pops up with a goal in stoppage time to give Man United a 2-1 win, keeps them two points behind Arsenal with one game to go. The title race is definitely still alive. The final day of the 0102 season. Oh, just to point on um, Liverpool, they'd uh, lost to Tottenham in their game on that fixture, so they couldn't win the title, but they could still finish above Man United if Man United uh, okay. failed to win against Tottenham. They win. Anyway. Right. The final day of the 0102 season, potentially Fergie's last game in charge of United, they need to better Arsenal's result when Arsenal host Everton and United, funnily enough, have got a home tie this time against Charlton, where oh, Ferguson's yeah. little retirement arc started. In real life, funnily enough, Charlton actually holds United to a draw. Not here. In this tall tale, it's an own goal from Chris Bart-Williams. And uh, a second half, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer strike that does the business at Old Trafford. They've done enough to secure the title. And um, interesting little fact about the Arsenal-Everton game. What a twist it would be if Everton got a win as one of the first games under their new manager, David Moyes. Who'd only taken over in the March. Um, It's a young David Moyes. Maybe he's the man to beat Arsenal handing Manchester United the title. That doesn't happen. Nah. Because uh, in this Premier League, particular Premier League, or one or two, it's fated that Arsenal win it. Yeah, uh, Man United don't make it four in a row. It's a four-three victory for Arsenal on the final day, seals them the title. But in Fergie's mind, it's not all bad. He is good about losing the league title, but he's looking at his Premier League record. He's overseen ten Premier League seasons. He's won seven of them, mm. and in the other three, he's come second. So he's never finished outside the top two. And he's never finished below Liverpool. He can square that with himself in his mind, I think. And, of course, it isn't his last ever Manchester United game. In the Champions League this year, (laughs) where Fergie decides to pack it in at United, United, uh, where Fergie makes a call, they were at the quarterfinal stage, uh, drawn against Deportivo La Coruña. Just in real life, they uh, win both legs. They go through the semi-finals on 5-1 to one aggregate. It's in the semi-finals, in real life, they get unstuck. They play uh, Bayern Leverkusen, who were a little bit unfancied, but they had actually quite a good team if you look into it. It's where yeah. Michael Ballack obviously Ballack, started. Yeah, that's the one name that I could tell was on that team. And um, Bayern Leverkusen in real life go through the final against Real Madrid, but the semi-finals go slightly differently this time around. United grab a 4-2 victory at Old Trafford. They go back to Germany, to North Rhine-Westphalia, <laughs> And uh, they get a nil-nil draw well, there. Yeah. It sees <laughs> United advance to the Champions League final. Do you have any idea where the Champions League final was held? Two thousand and two. It was because it was Hamden Zidane, Park. Like unreal Zidane volley, wasn't it? Better it than certainly was. better than Gareth Bale's goal against Liverpool. <laughs> Show me a million times better than Gareth Bale's Champions League final goal. But anyway, I um I disagree. But uh, <laughs> the Champions League final was to be played at a stadium which was only 10 minutes away from the very borough of Glasgow that Alex Ferguson himself was born in. That's mental. It's Hampden Park. It's his backyard, basically. That's amazing. What a nice way for Alex Ferguson to end his Man United career that would be, getting the Champions League in Glasgow at Hampden Park. But he had a a good Real Madrid team to get past if he wanted to secure that. So we're at Hampden Park. Game kicks off. Champions League final, it's nil-nil, it's a cagey affair, not a lot of chances. It is looking like it's going to be nil-nil at the break until Roberto Carlos makes inroads down the left. He hooks one high up into the box 
which is Harry. dropping directly onto Zinedine Zidane's left foot. In real life, Zidane scores, arguably, as it says in my <laughs> script, arguably, the best goal in Champions League history when he hits a pretty impossible left-footed volley, uh, which flies past Hans-Jörg Butt, who played in goal for Leverkusen, into the top corner. But Madrid aren't playing Leverkusen here. They're playing Man United. And Man United have got a different goalkeeper in goal. The one and only Fabian Barthez. And I genuinely think that the only reason, well, part of the reason, that Zidane scored that goal is right up until the point that the ball actually hits the net, you can't quite believe what he's doing. You can't you can't believe what you're seeing. It's absolutely this outrageous, to be fair. It's absurd. It does. It's what most players couldn't do on their strong foot if they had 100 attempts. And he's done it on his week with one attempt. Absolutely outrageous. It was completely out of nothing. I think the only two goalkeepers in the world that could ever possibly expect Zidane to be capable of something like that would be E.K. Casillas, who is uh, Zidane's goalkeeping teammate at Real Madrid, and Fabian Barthez, who is Zidane's goalkeeping teammate for the French national team. So when that ball starts dropping towards Zidane, when it's basically behind him on his left foot, I think something just stirs in Barthez's (laughs) big old bald head that says, you know, he's hit these in training, I've seen this. (laughs) So whether it's Barthez just shifting his weight a little bit earlier, whether he starts raising his hands while the ball's still getting crossed in, whatever it is, he manages to get a big right hand up, fingertips onto this volley, taps it onto the underside of the bar, it drops down, and Laurent Blanc clears it away for a throw-in. And the half ends nil-nil. Zinedine Zidane's wonder goal is never, ever a thing. taken away many moments of joy from me. It really has. Lonely nights. Watching, it really is, honestly. <laughs> watching your favourite goals Some on repeat. Lonely, lonely nights. <laughs> so it's half time. Ferguson, he, you know, he has a, he, he gives a team talk. You know, I, may, I don't know what he said in there. Maybe he gives them a bit of hair dry treatment. Maybe he tells them that he's leaving, whatever it is. But Man United come out and they're a different team. Uh, they're playing better. And uh, after being denied twice by Casillas, it is Ruvan Nistroy who converts a Ryan Giggs cross on the 64th minute. Puts Man United 1-0 up, but they're still pushing. Four minutes later, it's none other than Juan Sebastian Verón who scores a goal. Not just any goal, but it is possibly the greatest goal in Champions League final (laughs) history. He picks up the ball in his own half. He drives past two Madrid defenders. And from 30 yards out, he unleashes one that absolutely crashes off the underside of the crossbar. I'm picturing that Di Matteo cup final goal. How similar would you say it is to that? I would say it's it's uh, definitely similar similar vibes. Okay. You know, not necessarily uh, similar technique, but you you know you, you're categorizing them in the same okay. uh, same ballpark. Uh, ball <laughs> <laughs> um, so 2-0 up, Man United, and uh, even though Gooty, who is one of my favorite players of all time, he grabs a goal back, makes things nervous. Man United hang on for a two-one win. And Fergie's done it at Hamden Park. That's He's big. got Man United, their second Champions League final in four years. Um, Sir Alex is set to leave Man United as a winner. And a few days later, he does indeed announce that he's leaving the club. And in the very same interview, he names his successor. Okay. It's no... Uh, it came out later that Sir Alex actually only had uh, one man shortlist to take over at Man United. The chosen one in the summer of 2002, Plan A, was the one and only Sir Bobby Robson, 
coming off the back okay. of a fourth place finish with Newcastle. It was no secret how much Ferguson revered Robson. Yeah. And Robson very much felt the same about Ferguson. Good mates. However, Bobby Robson was not the man to take over at Old Trafford after Ferguson left. Sir Alex couldn't persuade him. Robson had already said that uh, Newcastle was his last job in management. Sir Bobby himself was approaching 70. And when Sir Alex had uh, Bobby Robson round in his front room, he just couldn't move him. He just could not make it happen. All the red wine in the world wasn't <laughs> going to change his mind. So plan A went straight out of the window for Man United. Ferguson wasn't just going to let anyone take over, but you know he did have to. He did have to make a decision. Obviously, there's plenty of suitors, but who is going to be the new chosen one? Well, it was announced that when the news was broken of Alex Ferguson's successor, it was David O'Leary who stood at Old Trafford with a red scarf held above his head. It was the former Arsenal player and Leeds manager who was the chosen one at Manchester United. Leeds just finished... Going from Leeds to United. Leeds fans certainly weren't happy, but Man United fans were reasonably happy. Uh, Leeds had just finished in fifth place, Premier League. They had a good defensive record. They finished fourth the year before. O'Leary definitely fit the bill from what Sir Alex wanted as well. He He was young, hungry... He managed big clubs. He didn't. He not acquired the trophy all, but you know he, he's got to pick someone. You know yeah. Bobby Robson. He couldn't get, it, so he got David O'Leary instead. Um, funnily enough, um, well, a bit of colour for the report first. David O'Leary made a lot of changes to the coaching staff, uh, including appointing Brian Robson uh, to be his assistant first oh, team really? coach. And uh, one thing that I did actually realise after I'd wrote the script was that. O'Leary was about to be sacked at Leeds United anyway. Was it? Um, I don't know why he, he went later on in that window, but they brought in Terry Venables. It was like a few, um, I, think, I, no, I read about this when I was doing mine. It was like a few with a board. Like he was having an argument yeah. with um, I can't remember the geezer's name at Leeds, but yeah, he was having an argument mm. with him. Yeah. Um, but it might have been Bates. I'm not sure, but I, um, I, I can't remember. It's a shame, basically, because I really wanted to work in uh, a Leeds relegation arc into the story. <laughs> But uh, I couldn't because he, he was going to leave anyway. Um, but first order of business for O'Leary was the uh, summer transfer window. Obviously, the major incoming for Man United in that window was uh, Rio Ferdinand out of Leeds. Um, and obviously, you know, that's going to happen. O'Leary's going to bring his boy over. Um, but O'Leary, he did get a reputation as a bit of a big spender at Leeds. Um, and he wanted to get the league title back at Old Trafford. He wanted to play attractive football. David O'Leary identified that United could do with uh, a bit of a flair player. Maybe someone's a playoff Van Nistelrooy. So David O'Leary's second signing of the summer was a £30 million pound move. A lot of money back Can't then. say that it wasn't backed. £30 million pounds for a young man who had just broken through at Barcelona. He was apparently going to be the next big thing. He'd scored 17 goals in his first full La Liga season. A young Argentinian forward drawn heavy comparisons to Diego Maradona. You've guessed it. Javier Saviola. I was going to say, yeah, that's too doors. early for Messi. <laughs> Javier Saviola came through the doors at Old Trafford, which, to be fair, at the time was seen as a bit of a coup. He was going to yeah. be like the next big thing at Barcelona. Uh, but Saviola was cracking back in his uh, back in his youth. It was quick, diminutive, eye for goal. He scored a lot of goals at Barcelona when he was like 21, 22. Yeah. Seemed like a great partner for Rude. Um, and he was a marquee signing. And the season started well for uh, Man United and David O'Leary. It was a 4-1 win at home to West Brom. Uh, two goals for Van Nistelrooy, two goals for Saviola. Great start. Perfect. Plans Perfect working. start. And United won the UEFA Super Cup. It was a 1-0 victory over Feyenoord, a Paul Scholes oh, winner. Right. But 
then things did just start to unravel a little bit. The next game is an away fixture against Chelsea, uh, which is a 3-0 defeat. Uh, Chelsea go up in real life by an early William Gallas goal, uh, but David O'Leary can't, as Alex Ferguson did, inspire Man United to a draw. Instead, they limp to a loss. But hey, you know, it's Chelsea away. Could be forgiven. Third game of the season is away at Sunderland. Uh, and they lose the game away at Sunderland as well. That's not it's a tough. 1-0 defeat. Tor Andre Flo with the goal. Tori Andre Flo, um, there's a name. There is a real name. Uh, and then another away game, another away defeat to Middlesbrough followed. Uh, despite a 1-0 win in his next game at home to Bolton, after five games, United only had six points to show for the start of the season. Mm. Big questions being asked of the post Ferguson so We're going to fast forward to the 9th of February 2003, a year on from when Sir Alex made the decision to retire. And uh, Fergie's sat in his living room. He's settling in to uh, watch Super Sunday, uh, which is a, a doubleheader this Sunday. The first fixture is none other than the Manchester Derby. Uh, and it's actually quite a tasty one because only two places separate the two teams. Uh, but this is 2002. And City that's, aren't anywhere yeah, near the top of the table. Yeah. Um, it is City who are in ninth place and Manchester United are down in seventh. The great Manchester United in February are in seventh place. It's inconsistent form, ill-discipline, poor defeats, lackluster performances. All of this is absolutely heat pressure on O'Leary, whose side haven't been in the top four since the first game of the season. There's heavy speculation. Yeah. And uh, let me tell you, the Manchester derby did not make things any easier for him. It is a 1-0 win for City at Old Trafford. It's a Sean Gota goal. I was the literally going to say, it's got to be feed the goat. <laughs> feed the goat and he will score. And he and did. that's exactly what happened on the 87th minute. And this was the first time that City had beaten Man United in the Premier League era. And uh, it, it was it was the first time that City had kept a clean sheet against Man United in the Premier League. That's mental. Um, funnily enough, uh, and here's where the link comes in, uh, in goal for City that day, keeping that famous clean sheet, I'm going to say, was a young Nicky Weaver, who was <laughs> who was City's first-choice keeper, but had a load of injuries that year. I'm going to say he didn't get those injuries. He was in goal yeah. for City that day. He kept that famous clean sheet. Nicky Weaver obviously uh, played for Wednesday over two spells, one of them which being the 2012-13 season, which is where this hence top is from. the shirt. Hence the shirt. Week. Also hence the shirt, 2012-13 that's Ferguson's last year in charge of Manchester United. Who did Ferguson beat in 1993 to win his first Premier League title? That'd be Sheffield Wednesday. Sheffield. Big Steve Bruce. Links. Big forehead. Yeah, we don't need to mention his name. But <laughs> there's links of plenty. Uh, and I quite like the shirt, despite it does look a little bit like a pub team shirt. But anyway. Back well, to you are a pub team, to be fair. That is true. I wish we were a pub team. <laughs> wish pubs were open. Last week, that joke would have played. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, what did it? And last year when uh, when pubs were a thing. <laughs> oh yeah, um, point well made, yeah. Back to the tall tale. Obviously, this was an embarrassing one for Man United. They've thought. I mean, the title's gone. That win at Christmas, but like top four's like not really gonna happen now. Uh, back in his living room, Fergie he's not happy. He can't believe what he's <laughs> seeing. He's gone for a walk. He doesn't even bother watching the second Super Sunday fixture, which happens to be Arsenal versus Newcastle. Which happens to be first versus second in the Premier League. I see. New- Newcastle and Arsenal are the two teams vying for the title this year, and it's a real two-horse race. Uh, Newcastle have been leading most of the way, but Arsenal have been out the reels, that sort of title race. Yeah. Um, and this fixture is an absolute cracker. Newcastle run out 3-2 victories. They come from behind 2-1. They come from 2-1 behind to win 3-2 with an Alan Shearer brace in the final 15 minutes. 
This result puts Newcastle five points clear of Arsenal, but with quite a lot of the season left to go. There isn't a lot of the season left to go for David O'Leary. Uh, <laughs> in fact, it would transpire after this game. There's only six games left for him. Ah, it completely failed to uh, gain any place inside the seventh following defeat at home to Man City. The straw that finally breaks the camel's back comes on the 5th of April, a home fixture against Liverpool. Man United fall to a meek 2-0 defeat. I've just burped. It's a 2-0 defeat. <laughs> Igor Biscan and Danny Murphy scoring both goals in the first half. Rogue names again. You are coming with some was... brilliant names here. <laughs> Early 2000s announced... are chock full of them. <laughs> and it, they really are, to be fair. And it was announced on the 7th of April that Man United would be parting company with O'Leary, with Brian Robson taking charge on a uh, temporary basis. Lovely. Uh, that was a decision that was met with general approval from the uh, Man United fans. And there'd been a lot of David O'Leary out banners a number of months. You know how they go. Yeah. Um... Brian Robson had a fairly easy task coming in to take charge of Man United because there was nothing left to really fight for. They went out of both cups. Uh, they fell out of the Champions League group stage, coming third in a group of Valencia, Basel and Spartak Moscow. Uh, they did drop down to the UEFA Cup because of this. Funnily enough, they made it to the semi-finals of the UEFA Cup in this tall tale, uh, but they were beaten over two legs by Boa Vista, meaning really? that Boa Vista went to the uh, final, advancing to an all-Portuguese final against Jose Mourinho's Porto. And you know what? I'm going to say that Bovista win, and I'm going to yeah, say that do. it's a, a Jose Bosingua winner for his boyhood club back then. That's a young nice. Jose Bosingua. That's really uh, nice. And I'll buy a Bovista top. Yeah, I was, I, do you know what? Again, <laughs> I was going to say that's we had mixed success on the uh, mm. LDU Keto and FK Rabbit Nicky top. So Bovista, I think, is a bit more in our wheelhouse. It's yeah, it's slightly uh, slightly more attainable uh, <laughs> hanging fruit, I'd say. Uh, in that they, they might be produced in this continent. Anyway. <laughs> That's all. That's nice colour for a report. But Brian Robson's first game in charge of Man United is actually against top-of-the-table Newcastle, who are still top by four points, still ahead of Arsenal. Arsenal, the only team that can really catch him. Uh, and Brian's first game as interim manager does not go to plan. It's a 3-1 loss at home. Uh, a rejuvenated-looking Saviola does put United ahead. Um, but this doesn't end well. Shearer and Solano score. Nobby. And, uh, Absolutely uh, love Nobby. Famous oh, trumpet enthusiast. He comes back in this. Of course he does. He always does, Nobby. <laughs> Not better. Um, but it's a, a Shearer, Brace, and Solano gets one. And that's a, a, a three points for the map price. This puts some seven points clear at the top of the table before Arsenal play their game, which is midweek, which happens to be against Manchester United as well. That's it. It certainly does. These are the real fixtures from the 2002-03 season. Uh, and in this game, uh, Manchester United actually looked really good. Uh, Saviola starts again, and he scores again. And uh, Skulls and Giggs both score to give Man United a famous 3-0 victory at Arsenal. And uh, this not only lifts the spirits of Man United fans, it hinders Arsenal's chance of winning the league massively, who remains seven points behind Newcastle with five games to go. Ooh. Next game week, Newcastle win at Fulham, Arsenal win at Borough, gap still seven. Easter Monday, Newcastle get a win at home to Aston Villa, Arsenal go to Bolton and win. So that means with the gap, uh, with the uh, the gap is seven points, with only three games left to go. So if Newcastle win their next fixture, Done. they will have won the Premier League title for the first time. Their next fixture is against Sunderland at the Stadium of Light. No. And, uh, it is absolutely what happened in 2002-03. But let me tell you, Newcastle go there and it is an absolutely famous win. 
in Sunderland's backyard. It's a fated Nobby Solano penalty on 42 minutes that hands Newcastle, seals them their first Premier League trophy ever and their first top division title since 1927. That's massive. Uh, funnily enough, they are... Well. Oh, Nobby. He, I imagine he had a fantastic season. Um, Newcastle are awarded the Premier League trophy in their last home game of the season, which was the, uh, the second last home. The second last game of the season was their last home game, uh, which, funnily enough, was a was a four nil win over Birmingham City, managed by Steve Bruce of was all it? people. Lovely. And who is lifting the trophy at St James's Park? Sir Bobby Robson, the man who turned down Alex Ferguson. Right has got his hands on a Premier League trophy by sticking at Newcastle. Conversely, Manchester United ended their season with a 1-0 loss away at Everton, a solitary Thomas Gravison goal, closing the curtain on a disaster season game. for West Ham. And I'm already at 25 minutes, which is a real worry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we might have to cut some of this down. So, Brian Robson, he hadn't really done enough to warrant taking full-time control of the club. So the Man United board turned their attention back to the market. They wanted someone with a proven track record. The man they picked was a proven winner. He won Champions League, he won league titles. He was a very quiet and unassuming man, but he had a tremendous moustache. The man was Vicente Del Bosque, who was charged with bringing trophies to Old Trafford after a barren season. Uh, He's a big name back then. He was only 53 at the time, plenty of gas in the tank. He obviously was a legend at Real Madrid as a player and done very well with him as a manager. So everyone liked his appointment. Um, 2003-04 was an interesting season for Man United. In real life, uh, Rio Ferdinand got banned for eight months for uh, missing a drugs test, and the FA decided to just, you know, make an example of him, as they say. Um, but I'm saying that it didn't happen this year. You know, maybe David O'Leary, the one thing he got right was getting Rio to piss into a cup at the correct time. <laughs> 2003-04 also saw United bring in uh, Ronaldo, uh, and that obviously did happen this year as well. Uh, as the story goes with Ronaldo, CR28, as the story goes with Ronaldo, Ferguson had United play sport in Lisbon in a free season friendly. Uh, and then immediately after the game, Sir Alex just went upstairs and negotiated the deal to sign Cristiano. Um, so without Ferguson, that's not quite how it goes. Man United do sign Ronaldo, but not Cristiano Ronaldo. Del Bosque never takes United to Portugal for a pre-season, but what it does do is bring back one of his favourites from Real Madrid. It's a £38 million move for a Brazilian Ronaldo, fat Ronaldo, You've let me up whatever you want to call then. him, Ronaldo Nazario has come to Old Trafford at the age of 27. He's Ballon d'Or holder. Oh, it was an exciting time. And he even he even came to United under 20 stone. Really? And Del Bosque's How big plan... <laughs> Spoiler <laughs> a lot, not, not very long. <laughs> Del Bosque's big plan was to line up 4-3-3. Front three of Van Nistelrooy in the middle, Saviol on the right, Ronaldo on the left. Uh, that was basically it. That was like the extent Thanks, of the plan, but it's a good plan. Mm. Uh, there was one major struggle. Uh, Ryan Giggs, uh, who could only really play out on that left wing, uh, he's not really part of Del Bosque's plans. After barely getting into the team in the first half of the year and a reported bust up with Del Bosque, um, he uh, gets moved on. He goes good. to Inter Milan. <laughs> and uh, it's actually David Beckham. Uh, who stays at United all that time, which I, th- I mean, if you don't prefer Beckham over Giggs, then I don't want to tell you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but he finds a new lease of life, David Beckham, in the right-hand side of a midfield three, which is where I'd be thinking he'd be playing now if he was a player. Yeah, I think so. But um, it's a very threatening lineup. But how did it get on on the pitch? 
the season started very well for United. Um, three consecutive uh, wins against Bolton, Newcastle and Wolves saw them top with uh, maximum points. Okay. Then they had some defeats against Salamantal and they slip out of the top four for the time being. But then came a very interesting game against Arsenal in Arsenal's invincible campaign. Obviously, this is 0-3-0-4. In real life, Van Nistelrooy misses a penalty and Martin Keown jumps all over him and yeah. it's uh, all very funny. <laughs> in this game, the very same penalty gets awarded, but it's not Van Nistelrooy on spot kit, Jimmy. It's actually Ronaldo Nazario who is uh, charged with taking the penalty. He'd not scored yet for Man United okay. and uh, he wanted this one to get him off the mark. But as we know, this is a fated penalty. It's never going to go in. Um, and it smacks against the crossbar. Uh, queuing Martin Keown to do his thing to Ronaldo. But Ronaldo Nazario is not, he's a fiery Brazilian. He's not a cool Dutchman. And uh, I don't know if it's the pressure of not scoring or uh, Martin Keown's face. Uh, but he doesn't take very kindly to uh, to the glowing. And he lashes out. He connects with a left hook. Here I that, uh, really. <laughs> A left hook. <laughs> And all of a sudden, it's absolute chaos on the pitch. Huge fracas. Obviously, um, Ronaldo gets sent off. Now, the game ends nil-nil. Well, obviously, that's the big talking point. Because the FA were unable to make an example out of Rio Ferdinand, they choose to make an example out of Ronaldo instead and hand him a five-month ban from all competitive FA games, Jesus. which obviously hampers things for United a little bit. Uh, the left-wing spot um, was filled by Del Bosque still not choosing to select Ryan Giggs. <laughs> Instead, he entrusted a young Kieran Richardson to make the left forward spot his own. Um, which, to be fair, he did okay for a young player, but uh, fans couldn't really understand why, why Giggs wasn't getting min- uh, minutes. Because um, he's a, he's a wife shagging knob, really. <laughs> but, you know. But the uh, season rolled on for Man United, and truth be told, it was a mixed campaign. Um, Del Bosque could get, he could get some results out of this team, but they also slipped up against the smaller sides a lot. And, you know, this is Del Bosque. He had them playing at a really slow pace, yeah. possession, that sort of thing. A lot of boring games, uh, even the wins. But ultimately, it led United to a third-place finish. They went out of the League Cup to Arsenal, just like real life. Uh, but Del Bosque did get a, a trophy at Old Trafford. They won the FA Cup, uh, a 3-0 fated win over Millwall, uh, Van Nistelrooy with two, and then a reinstated Ronaldo Nazario in the final. That's nice. So there was some problems, some good things and some bad things. You know, fans didn't really like the football. Del Bosque wasn't like a shower on the touch on the touchline, but it come third, got him a trophy, Champions League football. It's better than last season. You know, we'll see what a o four o five brings for for the Vicente. The o four o five window starts here. Obviously, United make a big sign in Wayne Rooney, which uh, also happens under Del Bosque. Um, you know, Van Nistelrooy really isn't a Del Bosque centre-forward. Rooney's a bit more suited to it. It goes with Rooney. Yeah. Uh, and United, in this transfer window, also get Gerard Piquet in, which I think Del Bosque would have been uh, very interested in. Um, and actually, Piquet in this universe, he really makes that position his own, and he, he plays a lot of games next to and never goes back to Barcelona. Okay, yeah. But Del Bosque has one more item on his shopping list. He wants a deep-line playmaker, a proper number six that could distribute the ball. And in summer 2004, Manchester United beat Liverpool to the signing of a young Xabi Alonso out of Real Sociedad for okay. 15 million. Yeah. So it's looking a lot more like a Del Bosque side. Um, they, you know, they could pass the ball a little bit better than they could last year. I'll say now that Chelsea still win the league this year. I don't think there'll ever be a situation where I don't have Chelsea win the league in 2004-05 because it's yeah. just one of the best Premier League teams of all time. But Man United have an interesting year. Ronaldo scores 20 goals, I'll say. He probably has his best season at the club. 
And um, even though United do occasionally like let the handbrake off, they're still pretty much a boring side. Um, League Cup, United ran out the same as against Fated, as was Fated, uh, against Fated, against Chelsea, as was Fated, which was quite frustrating. But United still secured third. Uh, they got Champions League football. Uh, the United, they finished the season with a 2-1 victory away at St Mary's, Rooney and Kieran Richardson with the goals. Lovely. Uh, and starting for Southampton in that feature was David Prutton, obviously a Wednesday player during this <laughs> era as well. Um, however, after that game had concluded, United had two finals to play. The first was an FA Cup final against Arsenal, which in real life, Man United lost on penalties. But in this tall tale, it is a 2-0 win with both goals being scored by Ronaldo. Which Ronaldo is that? With Man United not identifying a young Cristiano Ronaldo at Sporting, I'm envisaging that the king of European bargains at the time, Arsene Wenger, he went out and snapped up CR7, <laughs> CR28 from Sporting Lisbon. Ronaldo goes to Arsenal. He never hits the heights. You know, he doesn't go to Real Madrid. He doesn't get any Ballon d'Ors. He's a good player, though. You know, potentially in, oh, the, yeah. in the same vein as a Sylvan Wiltord, if you will. <laughs> and uh, he's a very useful player for Arsene. And he does score two goals in that FA Cup final against Manchester United. So Man United lose the FA Cup to their bitter rivals. But I did mention there were two finals to negotiate. You did. Man United had Champions League football by this season. And they got through their group of Lyon, Fenerbahce and Sparta Prague. And I will mention Fenerbahce in every single uh, episode. <laughs> every point they can. <laughs> um, in real life, they finished second in that group, but I'm saying Del Bosque gets them top because yeah. he, knew, he knew how to negotiate Champions League. This sets a round of 16 fixture against Werder Bremen, which United go through 4-0 on aggregate. They then match up with PSV in the quarterfinals, which was actually a quite a tough tie back then if you look at the team. Yeah. But United make it through 2-1. Semi-finals sees Man United come up against the all-conquering AC Milan team that obviously makes the mm-hmm. final in real life. It's a Perlo free kick. Season Milan take a 1-0 win from the San Siro, but it's probably Del Bosque's best performance as Man United manager at Old Trafford. Uh, it is a uh, 3-0 win for Manchester United. Ronaldo, Saviola and Beckham, all with the goals to put Manchester United through to the final, which of course, in 0405 in Istanbul, season face Liverpool. And now this is like, this is what you want as a Man United manager. You want the opportunity to beat Liverpool in the Champions League final. Let's make or break. This is like that Libertadores final, isn't it? The Boca River yeah, one. This is like absolutely. the big one, isn't it? It's absolutely huge. Um, and United uh, don't really turn up at all, to be honest. There is no Liverpool comeback because uh, they never go behind. Uh, <laughs> Gerard and Smitzer both score in the second half, as was fated. Xabi Alonso gets on the score sheet, as was fated for Manchester United this time. Of course uh, does, but yeah. it's a 2 nil, 2 1 win for Liverpool. Del Bosque doesn't even make any substitutes for the entire game. Um, and United lose two finals in the space of a week. And with the style of football being the way it is, the way they've relinquished every trophy they've held, That's all in all, the Ferguson era seems a long, long time ago. <laughs> Moving into the 05 06 season, there is massive question marks over Del Bosque, but he does start the 05 06 season as manager of, of Man United, much to the fans' chagrin. Um, this is the time where Ronaldo gets uh, extremely fat. He was pictured right. at the start of training to be heavily overweight. Um, <laughs> And there are no major signings even at the start of this window either. They get Van der Sar in, uh, but Evra doesn't come to the club because uh, Kieran Richardson is held down left back <laughs> and uh, they don't need Vidic because PK is turning into a decent centre-half. Yeah. Manchester United get off to an awful start to their Premier League campaign. 
they lose away at Everton, uh, they get a narrow win at home to Villa, and then they lose again at Newcastle. Um, they've lost their first two out of three Premier League fixtures for the first time in about 100 years. Um, it's absolutely, it's insipid form. Lack <laughs> of goals. Uh, and Del Bosque, you know, Del Bosque is a guy, he's super chilled, placid. He's like a granddad on the touchline. Yeah. You know, he doesn't do the hands waving and shouting and that. He's just a man with a muscle. Cool, calm and collected and a great muscle. Cool, calm and collected and a great manager. But fast forward to December, Man United had only picked up 20 points from the first 13 league games, leaving them all the way down in 10th behind West Ham. And uh, the story goes at this point, Sir Alex invites Del Bosque round to his home to try and discuss this poor form. But Del Bosque declined the invitation, and maybe this was the ultimate reason why on the 4th of December 2005, after a 1-0 loss home to Portsmouth, Del Bosque was sacked as Manchester United manager. If Fergie invites you to the only room in his house, you go. That's absolutely right. Uh, it's a big room, but it is the only one. <laughs> um, Del Bosque's appointment promised so much, but it ended very sourly. And Man United seemed like a, shower, a shadow of the team that they were in Ferguson. The, point, the board appointed someone on a, per, a temporary basis. They wanted to have someone steady the ship until January, then get a long-term replacement in. The interim manager this time around was none other than Roy Keane. Okay. Keane had been captain throughout this whole post-Ferguson era. He was the only real consistent performance. He never fell out with Fergie because Fergie left like four years ago. Often because of the language barrier and because Del Bosque is not the most like um, motivational speaker, Keane would be doing the, the the team talks in the in the dressing room. Yeah. Keane was pretty much done as a player as well. You know, in, in this season he went to Celtic, Celtic like, you know, it, and yeah. he played about ten games. Um, but because he commanded so much respect in the dressing room, because he, he, in real life, he went to go manage Sunderland like next season. So he was only about a year away from becoming a manager anyway. But he was the man tasked from leading the dugout for the next uh, six December fixtures as a player manager. Um, he made big changes, Keane. He got rid of all the fat lads and Saviola and things like that. Gary Neville was instated as captain. And Keane's first game was against David Moyes' Everton. And United ran out 1-0 winners. It wasn't Bosque ball, but it was dogged. It was effective. Much more akin to an Alex Ferguson performance. Uh, The next five fixtures uh, for Roy Keane at Man United were Wigan, Villa, West Brom, Birmingham, Bolton. And Roy Keane managed to mastermind a near-perfect record. Well, uh, 13 points. He did uh, get a, a draw away at Villa Park. But, uh, you know, his managerial style was exactly as he'd imagine. Uh, and it was a real breath of fresh air for Man United fans. He wasn't the world's best tactician, but uh, maybe that's not what United needed right now. No. And uh, he was kept on to the end of the season, given his, uh, his stellar run in December. Um, Keane was also allowed to make a few transfers. Um, United really needed a creative midfielder, so Keane got his wish with the deadline in signing of Ajax starlet Wesley Snyder went to Man United in 2005. Mm-hmm. And he was an instant hit at United. Uh, although they were out of every other competition, they made up real ground in the Premier League. And on the final day of the season, uh, they clinched sixth position, qualifying for the UEFA Cup. Keane was given a two-year contract as permanent manager. Um, and it was it, things were somewhat looking up. You know, some Man United liked, some Man United fans uh, liked having Keane there. Some of them didn't. That's pretty much where the story ends for Manchester United. You know, Roy Keane's a Man United boss. He doesn't have a lot of managerial experience. He seems to be getting a tune out of the team that they've got. Would he be the man to take him on to win some titles? I don't know. 
I'll Who let knows? the folks decide. But you know, back then, I'll just say that Keane was really splitting opinions depending on whether or not you wanted him at the wheel. But what I won't let you, the folks at home, decide, what I'm going to finish off on is just telling you how mad international football got from this point. Um, what I failed to tell you is something that I've left out for timing reasons. So we're going to skip past it. We're going to move past it. Okay. Um, Vincente Del Bosque does get the Spain job in 2006. Um, but after his stint at Man United, his confidence is ever so slightly shaken. Mm. Um, I love Del Bosque. Uh, with all my heart, in real life, he got this Spain squad that was full of five foot five playmakers, and he just said, "We'll play them all together." Mm. Um, and he wins the 2008 Euros, 2010 World Cup, and 2012 Euros in a row. Fantastic, not talked about enough. But in this tall tale, his philosophy does get rocked at Man United, and it just gets in his head a little bit. You know, the English fans didn't like it. He had like two years of abuse. And it just prompts him to just ever so slightly adapt his style with Spain. And that ever so slight adaption changes everything for international football. There are new winners in every single one of these tournaments. Okay. In 2008, Spain topped their group with Russia coming second. Um, But then both teams win their knockout rounds and Spain and Russia play each other in the semis. Uh, and now it's Russia that come out as 3-0 winners. Goals from Vladimir Bistrov, Dini Arbelianidinov and Roman Pavlyuchenko. See Russia go to the Euros finals to play Germany. So it's the final of the Euro 2008. It's Germany versus Russia. Uh, it's one all at extra time. Uh, Russia went 1-0 up through a Sergei Semak goal before Germany equalised with Miroslav Klose in stoppage time. But on penalties, it's Russia that win, meaning it's Russia that lift the 2008 Euros. 2010 World Cup. Hold tight, Sofiwi, as we always say. <laughs> Hold tight, Sofiwi. Uh, Spain flame out of their group behind Chile and Switzerland. And it's Chile who top the group and go on to play Portugal in the knockout round. This is Marcelo Bielsa's Chile. Uh, and Spain? they beat Portugal in the first knockout round to set up an all-South American quarterfinals against Paraguay. Now, I am not having a Leeds manager win anything. So Paraguay it is who beat Chile to go into the quarters uh, and play, uh, advance through the quarters and play Germany in the semi-finals. So it's a Paraguay-Germany semi-final. Paraguay beat Germany 2-0. Both goals coming from Rocky Santa Cruz, exactly, Tim. There he is. And it sets up a... Uh, final against Netherlands, only it doesn't set up a final against Netherlands because Netherlands used to Uruguay in their game because Netherlands South don't America. have Wesley Slider by 2010 because uh, even though in real life he should have won a Ballon d'Or for that World Cup, he went to Man United in this tall sale and they obviously ruined him at some point Definitely. down the line. Who knows when? So it's a Uruguay versus Paraguay final. It's what I'm calling the Guay Derby. Let's go, Guays. And uh, let's go, <laughs> And um, it's Uruguay who come away 1-0 winners with a Diego Forlan bicycle kick winner. So Uruguay won their second Jabalani World Cup in 2010. Moved around oh, about 47 absolutely. times in the air during that oh, over a kick. It certainly did. <laughs> and uh, so Uruguay win the 2010 World Cup. I love the 2010 World Cup. My favourite um, tournament and will be my favourite tournament until I die. <laughs> and finally, the 2012 Euros. Spain came second in their group with Italy topping it. Um, in this universe. So England plays Spain rather than Italy in the 2012 Euros knockouts. So we don't get beat on penalties. We go to the semi-finals against Germany. Uh, and Germany obviously beat us. So Germany gets the final. But the other side of the draw is totally different because Italy played France in the knockout round and France beat them. 
So it sets up a semi-final on the other side of the draw with Portugal. Um, and Portugal beat France. It's a Portugal-Germany final. Portugal win the Euros four years early because they win the 2012 Euros, courtesy of a Ronaldo perfect hat-trick in a 3-0 win Lovely. in the final. All because, <laughs> back in 2002, Sir Alex made the decision to retire as Manchester United manager. It's a great tall tale. It's a cracking tall tale. And it's, it's a long fitting. One. It's a long one. I, I, what did that clock in at, at the end? 44 minutes. 44 minutes. Only 14 minutes over. But listen, mm. I I don't know how long mine's going to be. Uh, they, the people can enjoy a longer episode this time. Um, <laughs> or we'll cut it down. If this we'll... is still like an hour and 10 minutes, you've missed out on some tall tale there. And potentially <laughs> this. Um. Yeah, I think it's fitting that you ended it on Ronaldo, given mm. you led me up the garden path about which Ronaldo was which about seven times. <laughs> in that I kept trying to say Ronaldo Nazario when I was talking about Brazilian Ronaldo, but uh, it's very it's difficult. It's just easier to say fat Ronaldo, isn't it? It is, but uh, you know, I'm a body positive person, Tim. So, he is, and to know. be fair, even fat Ronaldo, given you know we've been in lockdown for God knows how long now, mm. the old beach body thing, I'd never had to do that, so... Uh, yeah, I, it, me calling anyone fat at this point is, quite frankly, crass. So, you know, apologies Listen, to I'm, Ronaldo Nazario. I want to hear your tall tale. I'm gonna, I'm gonna lay it on you, mate. I'm gonna lay it on you. Uh, oh, before thick. we do, before we do, before we do, uh, which universe would you rather have lived in for my tall tale? Um, I would absolutely have rather. It sounds like there was no West Ham impact, so I can rule that out. Mm. Um, I would absolutely prefer to be in your universe. For a couple of reasons. Uh, the main one being that Nolberto Solano scored a Premier League winning penalty. Mm. Um, and to be honest, Pretty just huge. off the strength of that, West Ham could have gone bust and I've been quite happy with that. Um, having said that, that was before I had a chance to learn to love Solano because maybe mm. Solano would have never had his one season at West Ham in which I learned to love him. So maybe. Who knows? Maybe. But, you know, I- I'm going to say yours simply on the strength of Nolberto. So. Fair. But That's anyway, fair. now you're going to see which universe you'd have preferred, the real one or my universe. I really I'm gonna, will. I'm going to take you through my tall tale. I've got my Word document and I'm ready to go. And the stopwatch, hopefully we'll get it under 44 minutes, has begun. <laughs> so I'm going to tease for you, Warren Froggart. This is how Sir Alex Ferguson mm. retiring in the summer of 2002 led to a prophecy. It led to three becoming a magic number for dynasties both at home and abroad, <laughs> scraps on the streets of Cardiff, scraps on the pitch in South London, mm. multiple wins on the war on drugs, big one, oh, that. Very good. and an ill-advised scholarly article. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I hope you're looking forward to that. So I've you've taken the news, uh, you know, the point that essentially he decides internally, that's it, he's mm. done. I'm essentially skipping all of that, saying all of that happens as it did. And to be fair, now you've said all the stuff about him winning and wanting to go out a winner, I completely get mm. that and I might have changed it. But in mine, I'm saying he's decided to retire. That season's as it is. They've finished third by Leverkusen, knock him out in the Champions League semi-finals. He said it on MUTV. It's all confirmed. He's retiring. Mm. So straight away, the focus goes to, well, who's, who's going to take over? Mm. been a lot of names rumoured. But there was one name that probably stood out as the strongest rumour at that time. And he was a man who had previously stated how much he liked and respected the spirit of English football. And uh, later on, the then uh, the then United chairman, Martin Edwards, later said that he was about three or four, three or four days away from actually being hired in real life. 
Mm. Um, he's a man who was hot off uh, a second place second place finish with Roma, and uh, the year before that had got them their first Gadetto since 1983. It is, of course, five years earlier than planned, and a little bit further up north. Fabio Capello comes yeah. to Old Trafford, and in his opening uh, press conference, Fabio Capello. I cannot talk here. Fabio Capello, he makes a bold statement. He says. Mm probably in broken English, I will yeah. win a title here in England and I'll bring another Champions League mm. title to these shores. And that proved to be a prophecy. Mm. There's the prophecy early. Okay. okay. Uh, as you alluded to, United that summer brought in Rio Ferdinand. It was their only really kind of big signing that summer. But again, yeah. like you said, you know, David O'Leary brought his man. I've got Capello bringing his man. Instead of Rio Ferdinand, he brings what was one of the most highly sought after young centre-backs in the world at the time, who he had at Roma. Young Argentine centre-back, Walter Samuel, is about a year or two oh, later. Oh, no, there's a player. To, yeah, I know. He went to like Real Madrid. I never even realised he went to Real Madrid. He was only there for like a year. Yeah. But he went there like a year or two later. Um, he brings him to United instead of Rio Ferdinand, who stays oh, I love Walter Samuel. The does he? He oh, does. Okay. I'll get to that. So, 2002-3. It's the first year of Capello, but he's settling into English football and his kind of pragmatic style taking a bit mm. of getting used to. Like I say, Capello's getting used to the game, but also this team has been used to free-flowing football. Yeah. And this ain't that under Capello. This is pragmatic. No. He's an Italian. Defensively, they're going to be sound. Do you know what I mean? Oh, right. So in real life, United win this title, but not in this universe. That honour goes to mm. Arsenal. Again, they won the one before and they've won it even more comfortably this year. It's the second in a row. United have fallen to a couple of limp defeats over the course of the season and that put mm. pay to any real hopes of winning that title. Games where in another universe, the real one, for example, something might have been snatched late on in Fergie time. Mm. Not here. Fergie time. Capello time's not a thing. So they lose 1-0 no. at home to Sunderland. And uh, they also lose 1-0 away at Bolton to a solitary Bruno and Gotti goal. Um, oh. So he and Gotti goal, did he? <laughs> he did and get a goal. <laughs> Um, anyway, uh, the one thing, like I say, Capello's getting used to English football, but he, he knows his European football. He's already won a Champions League. He's already won titles in both Italy and Spain. This guy knows his European football. So Champions League goes a bit better. As happened in real life, uh, United easily make it through the group stage. And then the second group stage, which absolutely blew yeah. my mind that there was a second group stage in 2002-03, uh, before they draw Fabio Capello's former side, Real Madrid in the quarterfinals. Mm. Now, United initially lost that first leg 3-1 in real life. But going with Capello, a more kind of pragmatic defensive approach, they get a one-all draw to take back to Old Trafford. Mm. It's not a bad result. They've got the away goal. And the second leg, again, Capello being essentially a boring manager, uh, decides to rob the game, uh, rob everyone of one of the greatest games in Champions League history, which was that 4-3 to United and fat Ronaldo. Oh, yeah. Not overweight. We've discussed this. Ronaldo... Posi positive Ronaldo scores the, the mark, masterclass, all that kind of stuff. Anyway, this universe, yeah. it's a gritty 2-1 win for United and it's a mm. fated brace on the night from David Beckham, old golden boots himself. They do get through Poor to the boy. semifinals. They lose to um, Juventus in the semifinals to a solitary mm. Pavel Nedved goal as a man who's, uh, you know, Very nice. holds a special place in my heart, as you well know. Yeah. Um, and the the problem with that one is Old Trafford was obviously where that one goal in the tie came. And that's where the final would be played. Um, yes. So, you know, it's just a bit of a colour for the report there. But the key thing to note at this point is the losing in the semi-final thing would start to become a habit for United. Bear in mind, they did mm. it the year before as well against Bayer Leverkusen under Fergie. 
But anyway, going back to David Beckham, who I've just re- alluded to there. As you alluded to, I think, somewhere in yours as well, in FA Cup round five, Arsenal still go to United and win 2-0. Yeah. But that game doesn't finish, obviously, with Sir Alex pinging a stray boot just above David Beckham's <laughs> left eye. That boot no. stays where it is. In fact, Fabio Capello hands this in a completely different way. He actually puts, a, mm. puts his arm around David Beckham's shoulder and explains to him, David, you either win or you learn. And that night, David <laughs> Beckham learned. And he stayed at United. And if you're wondering what that means... I'm wearing a Inter Miami top, their inaugural home shirt from this year. Very nice Inter Miami top. And you've got to ask, if he never goes to Real Madrid and then LA Galaxy, does yeah. this team ever exist that I'm wearing mm. a shirt of right now? That's what I'm asking. I think as shirts go, that's one of the bigger ones because this this shirt would never have even existed. Yeah, I'd say so. It's worth well. floating that. Anyway, um, the League Cup also uh, uh, ends early and, earlier than planned. It's a 1-0 defeat at home to Chelsea in the quarterfinals. So it's a trophyless season, that first season. Mm. But yeah. we'll look around the league, see what else is going on in the world. Arsenal win the title, obviously. United <laughs> were second, despite their problems. Mm. Newcastle were third. Fourth place was Leeds United. Oh. Now, Leeds at this stage are all kinds of fucked financially. They are yeah. in one yeah, hell of a hole. <laughs> but as United took Walter Samuel rather than Rio Ferdinand, Oh. Leeds essentially took one last play to try and qualify for the Champions League in that season. And mm. I looked at a little bit into how the old financial stuff started. And it was essentially they took out a load of loans banking on Champions League qualification. And the two years mm. previous, they finished fifth. They didn't get it. And then at this point, they realized, right, we're in bother. But in this one, they've kept Rio and they're like, right, one last big loan. This will absolutely kill us if it goes wrong. <laughs> but one last big loan to qualify for the Champions League and they sneak in in fourth place. Oof. Rio stayed. Cracking team as well. Yeah, it was. And their mid-season departures, Robbie Keane, uh, Jonathan Woodgate and Lee Bowyer mm. all stay as well. So yeah, like I say, it's a good team. Wow, yeah. And they in fact actually bring in a couple of rising stars to bolster the team further. Uh, going by the name of Joey Cole from West Ham and oh, Scott nice. Parker from Charlton Athletic. Um, the other Ooh. thing that this also means is that Rio Fernand staying at Leeds for another two years till 2004 means he doesn't miss that drug test in yeah. uh, September 2003. So whether you know he was on PEDs or not, uh, it's a win for the war on drugs. There's it number one. Is. But yeah, like I say, Leeds get into fourth place. They kind of Cole and Parker both at the ground running, and it's a two-one win at Anfield late in the season. That's pretty crucial. Goals from Viduka and Joey Cole, and they yeah. get into the uh, Champions League. But they roll into 2003 4, just delaying the inevitable. They, again, yeah. they try and hold on for that other year now they've got Champions League football. The only departure is Lee Bowyer, who moves back down south to join Charlton. Again, okay. bit of colour for the report. What this does mm. mean, knock on impact, is that Lee Bowyer and Kieran Dyer will never share a pitch. Ah, so they can't have that. That's scrap. a real shame. Lee yeah. Bowyer was the aggressor. So on the uh, 2nd of April <laughs> 2005, he finds himself instead at the Valley, and his game that day was at home to Manchester City. And instead of picking on Kieran Dyer, Lee Bowyer, in fact, picks on half-time substitute for Charlton Athletic that day, Francis Jeffers. Uh, they have a scrap. Oh, oh, right. And How can you pick a fight with Francis, little Franny J? Because that's, he was that's, shit. I am appalled. <laughs> Listen, the fox in the box, I want he play for Wednesday in this shirt's here as well. I, I think that tells you all you need to know is that his career ended up <laughs> playing for Sheffield Wednesday. That's why Lee Bowyer picks on him. And uh, they both get sent off and they lose 3-0 to Man City. So that's just, you know... I guess, tying yeah. up that particular knot. I like that. That's funny. But anyway, the kind of rumours of Leeds' financial meltdown kind of 
mm. start surfacing at this point. And it's clear that it's permeated to the players. It's a mid-table finishing league, a group yeah. stage Champions League exit, finishing bottom of their group after a 2-0 defeat away at Besiktas. And uh, I'm essentially going to wrap up Leeds now before I get back to the main meat of the story. Uh, there's a fire sale in the summer of 05. And as you wanted to do but couldn't, Leeds, re- Leeds get relegated in 2006. Oh, lovely. They go down. Very nice. Anyway, back to United. Yeah. Manchester United, that is. Mm. First thing to note is, like I say, David Beckham's not been at war with the manager, so he stays for another year. And with that number seven staying, the need for another one dissipates. Mm. Cristiano Ronaldo joins the Champions League holders AC Milan in the summer of 2003. Ooh. He would not only go from that. strength to strength in that team, but the team itself would go from strength to strength. Yeah. This is the start of something big. Mm. Now, United's, <laughs> United's other signings that summer. Uh, let me let me read off the list of their signings that summer if you take away Ronaldo. It was David Bellion, Eric Jemba oh, Jemba, Tim Howard, and Cleberson. Um, wow. So I feel like it'd be wrong of me to not give them at least something else. Um, <laughs> yeah. So without Champions League football, because United bashed them out of it, uh, United beat Chelsea to the signing of Romanian starlet from Parma, Adrian Mutu, for £15 oh. million. Pounds. Now, the positive news here is Mutu has a better relationship with Capello than he ever did with Mourinho because that was yeah. a big thing while he was at Chelsea. So mm. when Adrian Mutu is offered some delicious nose clams on an evening out in Manchester, <laughs> Mutu's in a more, more positive frame of mind. He's more, you know, happy-go-lucky. He's a, he's a Romanian yeah. in England and he's enjoying it. And he yeah. says no. <laughs> he doesn't need that. He so don't need time. that. The only hire he needs is life. <laughs> Is training on a Monday morning. Training on a Monday morning and Fabio Capello's shadow formation, you know, shadow play, whatever yeah, it is. Weird shadow thing. Can't exactly. It's, it's really another cool. win for the war on drugs. That's two. Yeah. Fantastic. But anyway, in the league again, it's poor for United. Live, uh, not Liverpool. Arsenal win the league at Cancer mm. again. And it's their third straight. Three is a magic wow. number. But crucially, Same they don't is. go invincible. That nil-nil at Old Trafford that you mentioned where Van Persie twats the penalty on the bar. David Beckham's still around. You're not taking the ball off Beckham oh, when there's a penalty yes. in the 90th minute. Bex. He slams home akin to the penalty against Argentina in the World Cup. Absolutely slams it. And it's mm. a 1-0 win for United. But that was Arsenal's only defeat of the year. And it was the high point in an otherwise poor season for Manchester United. Mm. Capello still seems to be just trying to get to groups of English football and it's just not coming. Yeah. Um, no. It's more promising at times. Some of the football looks better. Yeah. But again, it, it just feels like the, the narrative that starts to get written is this is a team that struggles in a scrap. If you let them play, yeah. they can play you off yeah. the park. But if you draw them into a scrap, they don't like it. There's mm. discontent in the camp and United finish a measly fourth place in the league. Again, mm. the Champions League goes better. Notably, they're much more secure in the away leg at Porto in a round of 16. And they win 1-0 mm. through a Quinton Fortune goal who actually scored their Quinton. goal on the night. Um, and so therefore, the one will draw at Old Trafford puts United safely through. And dumps a mm. certain Jose Mourinho out uh, in the round of 16. And he never mm. pegs it down the touchline. So they go and beat Leon over two legs in the quarters before coming up against AC Milan in the semi-finals. Yeah. Now, in real Ooh. life, they were knocked out by Deportivo La Coruña in the yes. round before with that famous 4-0 win at the Riazor, where I think AC Milan won 4-1 at the San Siro and Deportivo yeah. come back to the Riazor and beat them 4-0. That don't happen. Mm. Do you remember no, when Beckham didn't shame. leave United by any chance? I do. Cristiano Ronaldo, this is coming out party when they go to uh, Galicia <laughs> in northern Spain. Two goals from the big man. 
Oh, AC nice. Milan ain't panicking. It's not like, you know, where there's a comeback and, you know, they score one, they score two, everyone starts panicking. Don't happen here. No. Two all draw, puts Milan through to the semis. And naturally, they spank United in the semifinals as well. It's another yeah. semifinal defeat for United, including a Ronaldo goal in a 2-1 win at Old Trafford. Mm. AC Milan going to beat Monaco in the final, their second consecutive Champions League and their seventh of all, seventh of all time. The fifth of which, mm. by the way, was won by Capello himself. In yeah, I thought he won one with them. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, just, again, a bit interesting. But again, hmm. I say, domestic competitions where the problem was, and it was the cup competitions that really saw United's biggest disasters. Yeah. League Cup saw a 2-0 defeat at the Hawthorns, knock them out in the fourth round against West Brom. And the FA Cup, well, that was the final nail in the coffin. That was, that was the one that really uh, sealed it for Capello, yeah. you should say. United still stumbled their way to an FA Cup final day against Millwall in Cardiff and uh, again, I, I looked at Mill's run to that final I'm not being bitter but I don't think they played a team above <laughs> like mid-table in the championship it was unbelievable but anyway yeah um, you remember when I told you that United kind of shy away from scraps under Capello yeah it doesn't oh, get more yeah. scrappy than Mill no. in their biggest game of their history as well now Warren I've got a quick question for you before we go any okay. further just a simple question yeah man marking or zonal well, man marking. Exactly, because you're not an idiot. <laughs> it's a question that I've asked many times to numerous women. Countless you know, women. Just, just, to, just, just to gauge where their head's at before I think about engaging in a relationship. Yeah. Um, and any sane person, you, me, my missus, we all yeah. say man marking because you're not completely fucking mental. Yeah. But not Fabio Capello. No. According to Wikipedia, in 1984, while he was learning his coaching trade at Coversiano, which apparently is central mm. headquarters, of the Italian Football Federation, Fabio Capello penned a research article titled The Zonal Marking System. <laughs> we saw very well. That's fine. But when it comes yeah. to this cup final, United are getting drawn into a scrap and they don't like it. That frustrated hmm. this United side. And when Millwall get a corner on 78 minutes, there's a man in blue who's pretty handy in the air. United are marking zonally, corners swung in. And big Tim Cahill has a free header. Yeah. It was a man that I've got a complicated relationship with. Yeah. He heads it past uh, Tim Howard. All the Tims in this game, by the way. <laughs> it's the Tim Darby. It's the Tim Darby. <laughs> and uh, it goes in. It's 1-0 to Millwall with 12 minutes left. Cahill's punching corner flags. Millwall fans are... Great celebration. In a, di- a brilliant celebration. Mm. They're in a different universe now. Yeah. And Millwall yeah. hold on for an historic 1-0 win. Their first That's FA Cup. Be tough to write. And this one sticks in my gullet. They mm. become the first team from outside the top division to win the FA Cup since West Ham did it in 1980, uh... beating Arsenal. So uh, don't say I'm not biased. I've given Millwall an FA Cup and Spurs all kinds of cups in the last one. <laughs> so anyway, the aftermath of that, United fans are beyond disgruntled at this point. Yeah. The good form in the Champions League isn't enough to pay for over all these cracks. The Capello-shaped mm. cracks, and it's now two trophyless seasons for Manchester United. So many. the thousands upon thousands of Man United fans that have travelled down to the game from London, um, they've been tipped over the edge. Um, and the Millwall fans are also on the biggest piss-up of their lives in the same yeah. city. And that's a recipe for disaster. You've got angry Man United yeah. fans and Millwall fans just in a different in world. Yeah. Right to take over the streets. And there's not any kind of definite us feed them. It's... It's not a yeah. United v Millwall feel. It's United fans are going to fight and United fans and Millwall fans are fighting Millwall fans and the Welsh are fighting the English and everything in between. And the night of the 22nd of May 2004 in Cardiff is one of carnage. Mm. But anyway, 
wow. the fallout from that. Capello isn't given shockingly anywhere near the same level of patience that a certain old Scottish fella got, and he sacked <laughs> less than a week after the Millwall game. Yeah, and Ferguson at this point starting to get itchy feet in his retirement, and he wants to mm. repur- return to the club in a more hands-on advisory role. So he's part of the team that's tasked with selecting the new manager. Yeah, the feelings the club has become too pragmatic. The football was too boring. Mm. It was too dull. Not like the exciting stuff that you had under Ferguson. And there's also a bit of a Brexit feel about it. You know, these foreign lads that Capello's brought in yeah. just ain't cutting the mustard at all. Most definitely. So, um, <laughs> so what do they do? Well, I mean, where's better to go? Ferguson's now on the advisory role. What better to do than employ a man from his coaching tree who learnt his trade under Sir Alex Ferguson? Ooh. So three years after leaving Man United and hot off the heels of a League Cup triumph, at Middlesbrough, also the first oh, major no. trophy in their long history. Oh, Berger's no. former number two, Steve <laughs> McLaren, is hired oh, as geez. the new Manchester United manager. But United aren't the only team hiring. Benitez has gone to Liverpool that summer. Roman yes. Bramvich has long had his eye past Ranieri, so uh, mm. he's gone. But this was the summer they got in Mourinho, but he's been knocked out around round of 16 in the Champions yeah. League last year. He ain't done this eye-catching you know, showmanship running down the line at Old Trafford. Mm. So that's not really going to send the shockwaves that Abramovich wants. It's not the big name. Yeah, not box office. He's, he's not box office, sadly. Not yet, anyway. Not yet. Short answer is he doesn't have the pedigree. Okay. So what managers just become available with a league and Champions League winning pedigree? Hmm. Fabio Capello know. moves down to London. Oh, wow. I mean, it, that's the shock. You know, maybe it's a gamble, but this this man's got pedigree. He's won leagues. He's won Champions Leagues. He's had two years in English football now. And to be fair, he comes True. in the top four for both of them and two Champions yeah. League semifinals as well. That's no the mug. appointment that makes the splash. But where does yeah. that leave Mourinho while we're at it? He's also got pedigree. He won the UEFA Cup with Porto in 2003 and he's still in demand. But Mourinho is now a Geordie. <laughs> Bobby Robson had narrowly missed out on top four football that year. Uh, yeah. And he felt like his time at the club was coming to an end. I think in real life, he got sacked in the September of the next season. So he he felt like it was coming to an end. So what if he kind of jumps before he's pushed? What if he gracefully moves upstairs and there's this glaring opportunity to hire his one-time assistant and translator and mentee at not only Barcelona, but Sporting Lisbon and Porto as well? Yeah, went everywhere. Mourinho idolises this guy. So yeah. naturally, he leaps at the chance. Robson moves upstairs. Mourinho comes in as Newcastle United manager. Oh, that's a cracking point. Brilliant. I like that. Yeah. Now, I'm good, I could spend a lot of time going through uh, transfer activity, but there's just some highlights mm. I'm going to pick out here. Mourinho. Now, Carvalho and Ferreira followed him to Chelsea, but obviously this time they're following him to Newcastle. Yeah. Uh, and they also take Benny McCarthy with him, who was obviously Porto's oh, nice. absolute hotshot at the time. And Excellent player. when we're talking about the fire sale at Leeds... Uh, Newcastle pick up James Milner, as they did, but also Joey Cole. Yes. Uh, okay. Fair without enough. Carvalho going to Chelsea, Chelsea pick up another man from Leeds United. Rio Ferdinand comes back Rio. down to London. Mm. He's a Chelsea centre-half now. And United absolutely tear apart their uh, rivals. They bring in Alan Smith. They bring in Johnny Woodgate. Yeah. They bring in yeah. Scott Parker. And they also bring Ooh. in the big shit house that is Mark Viduka, um, oh, who actually signed for Steve McLaren that summer. At the Borough. So it's clearly a player that he wanted. And he becomes a bit of a low-key bagsman for United over the next couple of years. Oh, he's far too good for Middlesbrough. I mean, he was the only Leeds player I could stand. What player? I I couldn't stand him because he always scored against West Ham. But, you know, most people do. So 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, a couple of fun facts about him while we were talking about Mark Viduka. Mm. Uh, he's cousins with Luka Modric. Did you know that? His cousins? Yeah, he, him and Luka Modric are cousins. Oh, that's fantastic. And uh, Viduka no currently idea. lives in Zagreb in Croatia where he owns a coffee shop, which I just thought was really oh, lovely. Nice. Yeah. Oh, that's very nice, yeah. One last transfer for you. Mm. Without the sp- stability of Ferguson, uh, Wayne Rooney goes to the highest bidder. And there was oh. only one highest bidder that summer. And it was, the, it was the transfer that Everson wanted all along, but couldn't make happen. Wayne Rooney moved down to Chelsea. That's the one they wanted. Yeah. And without yeah, yeah. Ferguson, that just seems to make a lot of sense. Yeah. And as I, I as I want to do in these tall tales, I'm now going to go through years at a very kind of <laughs> high-level basis from 2004 <laughs> to 2008. We're through a decade. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to take you to today. <laughs> no. <Nah>, um, <laughs> so you remember Capello's prophecy at the start? Uh, where he said he's coming to England to win league titles and bring yeah, Champions League to these shores. Well, he wasn't wrong. And that's really the theme of the next four years. But he's just yeah. doing it at Chelsea. It took yeah. him two years to get used to English football and it took him Roman Abramovich's wallet. But now he's <laughs> finally got the hang of this football thing over in England. And yeah. what had been a three-year dynasty for Arsenal smoothly transitions into a three-year dynasty for Chelsea. Three, as Ooh. always is the magic number. magic number. Titles in 2005, 2006, and 2007. The chasing pack jostling for second every year is essentially Arsenal, United, Liverpool, and Newcastle. Mm. Meanwhile, at United, the story remains pretty much the same. Uh, like I say, domestically, they struggle, but in a total spin of his time as England manager, McLaren's actually pretty good in Europe, turns out. <laughs> so, no, that I won't believe. Yeah, exactly. Now we're going too far. <laughs> 2004-5. I've got seven minutes. 2004-5. As you don't, stated, you've got all the time in the world. Yeah, fair point. Well made. Um, Chelsea seal the league title with a fated 2-0 win at Bolton and a Frank Lampard yeah. brace. And that's the first part of the Capello prophecy. Tit. That's done. They also beat Liverpool the in the League Cup semi-final. Uh, extra time, Didier Drogba winner to make it 2-1. Oh, nice. And so that's a domestic double. But by mm. my workings, they lose out over two legs to the eventual Champions League winners that year um, in the semi-finals, and it's AC Milan again. And mm. in the final, they go and beat Barcelona 3-0, who had beaten United in the other semi, and that's now three Champions Leagues in a row. I've got caught in my own head mm. there because they're winning so many. That's three Champions Leagues in <laughs> a row flying for AC yeah. Milan. Three is a magic oh, number wow. for a yeah. dynasty abroad this time. And just, you know, another thing to point out, that's another semi-final that United have been beating in there. Mm. But then they got to the FA Cup final, to be fair, United, as they did in real life against Arsenal, and still got beat on penalties. Mm. 2005-06, Chelsea win the title even earlier this year. And as it always is the case, uh, they do it in a 4-1 win over West Ham, and it's two ex-West Ham boys that score, get on a score sheet that day. Rio Ferdinand gets one, Frank Lampard gets one, the title sealed with a 4-1 win. United drop into the UEFA Cup that year. I think in the Champions League, they went out all together in the group stages mm. that year. But I've said they've dropped into the UEFA Cup rather than out entirely. And it's McLaren's only trophy as the United manager. As faded, mm. he gets mm-hmm. to the 06 final. But it's United who do a... They go and do a number on his old team, Borough. It's still United against Borough in the final, but McLaren's oh, wow. managing United. And the Middlesbrough manager, any guesses? No, lay on me. It's ex-Preston manager, Billy Davis. Um, well, who's who's in the dugout, and <laughs> and it's a three 0 win for United. They absolutely tear Borough apart, and it's three yeah. great goal scorers. The opening goal uh, is a clean Adrian Mutu, who makes it one nice. David Beckham nice. doubles it with a trademark free kick before moving to Inter Milan, 
which Victoria Ooh. been on at him to get to Milan for a while now. Yeah. Um, and the win is rounded off by big, low-key bags man, Mark Viduka. There was also a late red card in that game for Middlesbrough's Abel Xavier. But he was only playing in the game because Billy Davis in pre-season had given a cracking motivational talk about the dangers of PEDs. So therefore, on uh, the 23rd of November 2005, Abel Xavier wasn't found guilty of using no. the anabolic steroid methandrostenolone. I think that's how you say that. It's a long word. And so he wasn't banned from football for 18 months. And that's another win on the war on drugs. Once again, oh. three is the magic number. That's Mutu, that's Birdman, <laughs> that's Xavier. Three people saved. Anyway, 2006-7. Chelsea again. It's a stroll again. Uh, the title was all but secured when they beat Mourinho's Newcastle at St. James's. 2-0 uh, with goals from Robin and Drogba. Nice. And speaking of Drogba, he uh, set with the other two trophies that year as well in a domestic treble for Chelsea because he's a man for oh, the big really? occasion. He's always been a man for the big occasion. Going back to United now, as fated, they're beaten again in the semi-finals, mm. again, and it's again by AC Milan. It was that Kaka masterclass at San Siro where he absolutely yeah. tore everyone apart. Watch highlights out the other day. No, it's just, unreal. Honestly, it's silly. But anyway, uh, this is now the final in Athens in 2007, and that's where yes. they meet Liverpool. So Istanbul still happens, except it didn't happen in Istanbul. It happened in <laughs> Athens two years later. <laughs> That was the one where they that, come back from 3-0 down. I'm not going into what does details. That mean, what does that mean if something if you come back from a defeat? Does it become like Fens? Yeah, it's, he's, he's Athens'd <laughs> it, I guess. It's, or maybe oh, he's Greeked it. You know, maybe they don't. Because I feel yeah. like Istanbul's so iconic. I feel like, oh, he's yeah. Greeked it, you know? Mm, I like it. Anyway, so that happens. Liverpool have another. That's their fifth Champions League now, mm. isn't it? But before we get to the big finale, and I've got two and a half minutes. Euro 2008. You're, you might be mm. wondering, you know, what's happened given McLaren wouldn't have had the English. Yeah, I was. Yeah. That's got a big Sam. And let me tell you that oh, uh, technology in 2006 is not the same as it was in 2016. It's a very different no. kettle of fish. Um, so he's, he's had a couple of good years at Bolton, takes the England job. And he lasts more than one game because his allegations over a pint of wine can never be proven with any hard evidence given, you know, you're using like Motorola flip phones at that point. That's not going to prove anything. It's all... Yeah, it's all four pixels. Just, oh yeah, uh, it's like it's shapes recorded with potatoes and our level of editing. <laughs> to be fair, well, <laughs> if only. <laughs> but so yeah, he carries on. Nothing was ever proven. England do make it to Euro two thousand and eight, um, but they're knocked out in the group stages behind Spain and Sweden. And to complete the Bowen mm. connection, we're knocked out in the last group game by Sweden, and it's a Johan Elmander winner in a two one defeat. Mm. Two thousand seven eight the final season of my tour tale, where all of this comes to a head. And I'm only going to focus on two competitions. I'm not going to do any more. Okay. Firstly, the Premier League. I'm going to come back to United because that's where this story should end. But there's been another arc developing. Newcastle have been getting better and better and better. And 2008 finally sees Chelsea knocked off their perch by Mourinho's mm. Newcastle, who win the Premier Excellent. League. The highlight, the game that near enough settled it, was a Jose Mourinho and Rafa Benitez classic. Oh, of course it was. Liverpool against Newcastle at Anfield. And it's essentially the perfect reverse of that famous game in 1996, the 4-3. But this yeah. time, obviously, it's happened in March 2008. So Benny McCarthy puts Newcastle a goal up. Robbie Keane equalises for Liverpool. He was mm. picked up from the Leeds fire sale. And then Fernando Torres makes it 2-1 to Liverpool. James Milner, 55 minutes, 2-2. 
Gerrard makes it 3-2 to Liverpool. Two minutes later, goals in this game all over the place. 11 minutes after that, so we're looking at about 68, I think now. Joey Cole, obviously picked up from Leeds for Newcastle. He makes it 3-0. And it's Joe Cole rather than Stan Collymore that makes it 4-3 yeah. in the 92nd Closing minute. in. Close. It's Joey Cole closing in, not Collymore <laughs> closing in. And that is the moment where you see the famous Mourinho run down the touchline, except it's oh. Anfield towards that away end and a load nice. of delirious, topless, pissed-up Geordies <laughs> rather than Porto at Old Trafford. That essentially is the one where you're like, right, Newcastle have surely got this wrapped up. And they do. Yeah. They see it out. Newcastle win their first Premier League title. Very I like nice. that we both had Newcastle win a Premier yeah. League title. I was going to say, I think... Uh... In uh, a tall tale, nothing to do with Newcastle. No, but, absolutely uh, the nothing. The were there. But it was a strong period for them to be. I mean, maybe not this time. I think they got relegated mm. a year later. But, like, but listen, we're going to move past yes. that because we're going to move to the Champions League final. Yeah. You may remember that year. The final was in Moscow and it was United against Chelsea. And this is the yeah. case again. Despite falling at the semi-final stage for five of the last six years, United get through to the final this time. Finally, they mm. get over that hump. And it was a 1-0 win over Barcelona at Old Trafford, as it was in real life. But this mm. time, the goal was scored by uh, a young Luka Modric. I can't remember oh. I told you that uh, Viduka kind of turned the His attention cousin. of the United Scouts. Like, my cousin, who's knocking about in Zidar, or wherever he's from in Croatia, I think it's Zidar. He's, he's pretty good. And they have a look at him. Yeah. Down at, I think it was Dino Mozart, they got him from. He's like, yeah, he's pretty he was, good. Yeah. He comes in, smacks a screamer from 30 yards. United get through to does. the final. With just one trophy since 2004. This is seen as like last chance alone for Steve McLaren now. Yeah. And while Chelsea missed out on the Premier League title for the first time in what, three or four years now? They weren't missing out on this. This is mm. this is the one that Abramovich wanted. Yeah. And they've got it. Holy Grail. Capello completes his prophecy. He does bring another Champions League to English shores, albeit a year after Liverpool had done it. But, you know, we're going to gloss over that. And yeah. uh, he, he absolutely outclasses a tactically inept United in all senses of the word. And it's yeah. a man... That I've scarcely mentioned, to be fair. Uh, yeah. Who has played a big role since he's moved down to King's Road. Uh, but it, again, I've not really mentioned him. But he joins an illustrious list of Alfredo De Stefano, Ferenc Puskas, <laughs> and Pierino Pratti. Can you guess mm. what that illustrious list is? And can you guess who the man is? Well, Puskas and De Stefano are obviously goal scorers. Yeah. Champions League winners. Yeah. Um, but I don't know any more than that. He's the fourth man in history to score a hat-trick in the European Cup or Champions League final. All three in a 3-0 win for Chelsea's Wayne Rooney. Oh, now that is neatly done. And do you remember what the weather was like that night in Moscow by any chance? It was pissing rain, Absolutely it? pissing down. John Terry slipped on his ass. Hilarious. Still hilarious Fantastic to this moment. day. But it was fated, Warren. Steve McLaren is, was, <laughs> and always will be... The Wally with the Broly. <laughs> or as they say in Moscow, he will be the Glupi Chelovekov is Zontikum, which didn't exactly translate. So that actually means the stupid man with the umbrella. Um, according to Google Translate, if there are any Russians out there, do correct me. Uh, but oh, that, is, that is where that tall tale wraps up on 33 minutes. Who takes over from McLaren at United? Uh, Newcastle, you know, is three a magic number mm. for them. Do they become a dynasty under Mourinho? I'm going to let the Maybe. fans decide, Warren. And with that, on 33 minutes, here ended the talk tale. Well, well, that is that was a an absolute journey. I think you it took went a lot of places there. 
you went a lot of places. You had a lot to keep. Thoroughly professional job from you. I know you had it in front of you on a Microsoft Word document, but to keep all that in order was a a real uh, a real performance from you. I just love that we both had Newcastle winning the league. That's nice. Uh, mine was under Sir Bobby. Yours was under his young friend, apprentice. Jose Mourinho. His apprentice. Yeah. Wow. What a tall tale. Love the fact that. Uh, David Beckham got a lot of mentions as well. You, we've mentioned this might be my favorite episode so far for just players that we both enjoy. Yeah, you know, there's been a some few. of the names that have been thro- thrown around. Beckham, Nedved for you. Nedved, we've had some yeah. crackers in there. Even and again, Tim Cahill, I've got a complicated relationship. Timmy with. C. On one hand, Absolutely. he's you know a big Millwall boy, but on the other hand, he was like the first footballer I knew who was called Tim. So I was like, yeah, yeah. I like him. Yeah, absolutely, nice. and I'm happy that. Um, I uh, I'm happy that some of the managers. I mean, you're you're. We didn't even really speak about the fact you've got a lot of England managers knocking around in your uh, oh, yeah. tall tale, <laughs> McLaren, um, and obviously the other one was uh, Capello. Capello I mean, and Big funny. Sam for one game. And Big Sam for one game. Do you remember what uh, who, the game that Big Sam had for England? Slovakia or Slovenia? It was one of the. It was. I think it was Slovenia. One of them. But it was one. Remember. It was like late, like last minute win, wasn't it? It was absolutely yeah, terrible. It was. the exact kind of win that yeah. I'd seen. Well, I mean, I hadn't seen many wins when Big Sam was at West Ham, yeah, but if true. we did see him, it was that kind of turgid, keep mm. a clean sheet and nick one kind of result. Yeah, he loves it, but he's the only man in the stadium that does. But and I can't wait to see him go uh... down this year. <laughs> and he will. But um, yeah, that ends. There ends episode three. Yeah, episode Cracking three. episode. I three think, times again. longer than we thought we were going to do, as always. And and this episode is about three times as long as we planned as well. I think and that's this, all this is makes. clocking in at about an hour twenty, which I feel yeah. like we said before the kind of cut off. And you know, people let us know if we're wrong on this, but the cut yeah. of where it stops becoming entertaining is about an hour and a half. I think. Yeah, I think so. I think we've packed enough into that one that's still entertaining. I hope so. Feel free we to tell me just... if I'm wrong. Slate us. Yeah. Give us pelters if we're wrong. But... <laughs> I want to hear abuse. That's what makes <laughs> I want us to hear your strongest criticism, and it does not have to be constructive. <laughs> no, and or indeed anything to do with the podcast. I want personal abuse held at me. Yeah, um, I'd like to. I know I need a shave. Tell me, <laughs> no uncertain terms. But um, yeah, that is that is our all show. I do believe. Yeah, uh, we'll be back at some point uh, to we, record episode four. Yeah, we we've got soft plans to uh, record. We've got episode plenty four. of uh, plenty of vines and plenty of fires, yeah. I think, but. Uh, yeah, have you got anything uh, anything that you you want to finish off with, Timber? I don't think so, mate. Uh, stay safe, everyone. You know, with this new hyper COVID that's come out, and uh, in the same breath, have a merry Christmas because uh, <laughs> this won't come out till after Christmas. So you're probably no. you know taking down decorations as you listen to this. But yeah. for us, it's the twenty second of December, so happy Christmas. Have a lovely Christmas, and uh, we'll see you next year. We will indeed. I. Uh, I mean, yeah, no, it absolutely will be next year by the time episode four comes out. But yeah, yes, I until then, well. unless you've got anything else to say, Frog. Uh, I don't. Obviously, as always, follow us on Twitter at Football Fake yeah. Pod. And if you've got any questions, suggestions, or anything, uh, DM us or whack in the comments or whatever. If you just watch the video and you like it and you stick a like on it, that'll do for us at the moment. We'll take a like. We'll, but, take, uh, we'll take anything at this point. We'll take anything. But we're really enjoying making it. Hopefully, if you're watching it, you're enjoying watching it as well. But. Uh, yeah, I've got nothing else to add. So uh, if we're ready to sign off, Tim, I'll let you do the honours. All done, mate. Yep. It's been lovely to speak to you all this evening. Thank you ever so much for your time. And as always, this has been Football How Fate and How to Change It. Didn't say the name right. Football Fate and How to Change It. That's been us. And you can stay lucky. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.